Hello, welcome back to the Azure Centric podcast on another Azure weekly update. With me, I have the serious but the funny at the same time, Andrew Lowe's. How are you, my friend? I'm amazing. It's a beautiful day, and here we are with the opportunity to record for Azure Centric again. Absolutely. I, I forgot even to say that my name is Marcos. <laughs> Nogueira, and I'm you, I'm the host for this show today. So I was so excited that I I, I forgot about me just just to give you an idea. And and first and foremost, I want to apologize uh, for the sound. It's not your device. It's my nose that is making this sound. Okay, so your sound is okay. The microphone is okay. It took us a little bit more time to find why I have this kind of um voice like a different type of voice but it's is just because i was recovering from a, a little flu not the covid thank god but a little flu and i i'm i'm 95 there and that's why we still are uh, not recording this together but yeah but i i understand beer can get you to close the five percent yes gap that you've identified yes there. It does, uh, and probably I should get one, but the weekend will help in this case. Let's see how it goes. Um, but today, Absolutely. right? Um, so it was great to see all the feedback again. It was a great week. It did start slow, probably because the, the people didn't expect that we were um, back into business. We didn't announce on social media, so but now it's still getting back all of that good feedback, all of your support. So thank you so much. And if you are new to the channel, don't forget to subscribe, right? And be able so we can grow with you guys and still producing these amazing videos um, and amazing podcasts for you. Uh, and that's that's the only idea of, of, of the Azure Centric is to just share our knowledge of these Brilliant minds that look alike, right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not think alike, but look alike. It's like we were twins separated at birth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so this week, it was a very kind of calm. And usually, right, the calm sea comes after the storm. Just But the storm, the storm. Yep. is going to be next yep. week. Because next week yes, we will have Ignite. There is a special little event, right? Yeah. yeah. A little event called Ignite, right? And, exactly. And I, I want you to see this. And if you see this, uh, probably on either Monday or Tuesday, um, right? I want you to register on Ignite. I know firsthand because I've been with uh, meetings with Microsoft that a lot of good things is coming. So next week, be prepared for probably a book of news that will talk about all of those new things. And we'll still have uh, the weekly updates as usually, probably a little bit more streamed down and probably with a lot of more cuts because this week we didn't cut almost anything, right? Um, we only yeah, got like a, maybe one a couple of announcements even in our uh, neighborhood. Yeah, yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. There's a lot, and I think. Uh, what do you think the theme for this week would be? If you had to pick one, I know it's a it's a bit of a tricky question this week, right? Uh, it's a little bit tricky, but I think it's about um, probably monitoring. Uh, let's say, let's go this way. Uh, yeah, I think the, the, the team is going to be a little bit monitoring, although there is a very cool um, preview that we are talking about that I'm really excited oh, uh, nice. because it's, it's cool. It's a tool that we use uh, every single day, right? And now Absolutely. allow us to just uh, be more uh, productive and be more, uh, let's say, device agnostic. 
Okay, I don't want right. to... Is there a way that we could be ready to switch devices and travel even better than we're ready today? I don't know. You never know. You never know. So I think it's time now to roll, right? And it's time Absolutely. to just starting our our show. So let's roll. So welcome back and let's jump to the first update. So general availability of cross-regions replication for Azure NetApp files. This is a pretty cool, uh, I have to say, a pretty cool one because now uh, similar that like we've been talking on this show and, uh, and during the podcasts that we are starting to see a lot of those cross-region replication, not only in this case for the Azure NetApp files, but for the uh, other services as well. So to be totally agnostic where the where you are running this, right? Of course that Absolutely. you still have the pair, the region pair, right? And here mm -hmm. you are applying as well the region pair, but now it's no it's no longer in preview like we mentioned a few podcasts ago um or a few let's say a lot podcasts ago uh but um it's now in ga so means that everyone that was using that in in preview now they can use this in production right that's uh, uh that's the one requirement we definitely have for um Production is general availability features. Yeah. And I think this one is really great. Um, I mean, Azure NetApp Files is very robust, very secure. And uh, I have used it before. It's the one um, one tool that handles multi-forest domains, yeah. right? Um, for uh, file structures, I guess we could say. And this is really critical. This is a big deal to have cross-region replication, right? Because this is how we create that business continuity, right? That kind of instant or at least near instant, I guess we could say, um, failover where, um, you know, sp specifically NetApp files, Azure NetApp files is rated for SQL Server data. Uh, pretty impressively, Oracle databases, yeah, Citrix user profiles, and of course our favorite big boy, the heavy hitter of all data, as SAP HANA. Yeah. Right? So to be SAP HANA certified is a very big deal. And now cross-region replication with Azure NetApp files. So um, there's going to be a lot of very large uh, enterprises that are going to be moving towards this. I feel very quickly. Absolutely, and and and. What I what I like about this is you have the regional um, you have the regional uh, pairs, but you also have the regional non-standard standard pairs that you can also uh, um, do it with Azure NetApp files, right? But for me, what is it, it just shows all of the potential of Azure NetApp files, and especially with the, this cross-region replication is the SLO, the service level objectives in this case. So yeah. for the recovery point object, the RPO, usually the RPO target is typically less than twice the replication schedule. So for a replication schedule of 10 minutes, meaning then you are replicating every 10 minutes, okay, from one region to the other, the RPO is less than 20. So means that you can recover, right, from an existing that you're only losing or when you are only losing 20 minutes, for example. And this is huge. Across region. Yes, to the other region, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and this is this is huge when we're talking about any type of enterprise files distribution like Azure NetApp files. It's where you're having. So imagine that you have that replication, okay? 
that is going to reduce the 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 data required to replicate across up to 50% or more on a database that is, for example, the SAP ANA. That is huge, and you are replicating from one side to the other in less than 20 minutes, for example. Okay? Uh, it's huge. It's, it's massive, right? Even if you increase your replication schedule uh, for an hourly, it takes less than two hours. Even if you're doing that, like to lower the costs for a day, a daily replication RPO, the RPO, the typical RPO, it's less than two days. So it's pretty significant that depending on how you want your application to happen, how business critical you have this, this is another tool that you have to disaster recovery, to complement your disaster recovery. And that's the part that I, I love about, about this update that now is in GA. It's, it's, it's huge in this case, in my opinion, right? It is. And we've, we've seen a lot of disaster recovery oriented uh, updates the last few weeks. And uh, it's been really good. And I feel like there's been a strong lean towards not just recoverability, but availability. Uh, I can't wait to see this theme continued over the next uh, week at a small event uh, called Ignite. I don't know what's coming up, but I get the sense there's going to be some big announcements and uh, just the whole thinking process moving towards um, uptime and recoverability. Uh, it's very exciting to think about what might be on the horizon. Absolutely. And that's, and that's the beauty of it. So if this is what they are announcing this week, the week before Ignite, I don't want to know what they are doing next week, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. I know my mind is going crazy. I can't even uh, imagine in some cases, I think, what they're going to be uh, coming out with. But that leads us, I think, into our next one a little yeah, bit, right? Absolutely. Do you want to do the honors? Oh, I haven't introduced one for a while. Absolutely. So general availability of Azure Monitor Query SDK. So we decided to include this one, even though it's a little bit more developer oriented because of the awesome factor, because it's Azure Monitor. So now with this uh, GA announcement, the query SDK for .NET, Java, JavaScript and TypeScript and Python. So this new SDK will allow you to build applications that perform a read-only query from Azure Monitor logs and metrics platform. So now you can build custom analysis and custom data displays with a simple, well, simplified SDK yep. query. So now it becomes a normal way to just query much like we do to SQL or any other data source. It just becomes a source of data. And now we can grab the data and do whatever yep. we want with it. And 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 this is this is pretty cool. And I, I think it's pretty big. It's going beyond what we're talking about because you will starting to see a lot of those applications that will get the monitoring. Or this, I think, is going to be great um, for those type of applications and those type of automations that now we can, for example, for an Azure function that is based on Python, for example, right? that now you can query um, to see what is the state of that particular object that you are monitoring to be able to react to those states, to those triggers. So it's starting to have another way. And this is the first thing that comes to my mind was, was those Azure functions. But now imagine that you yeah. can build your application and can build everything that starts triggering, starts to get that information to see if you need, for example, more uh, disk, more resources to can, you can scale up or scale down or scale out or scale in, depending on what you need. Exactly. Right? You know, it, 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 you got me thinking here, and uh, this is why sometimes um, I wish we would uh, rehearse a little bit, but 
<laughs> but I think it's also fun to kind of have these as new for us as well, because uh, it, it dawned on me that, you know, we often run into client environments, especially large enterprises, where they're heavily invested in a different monitoring solution that is not Azure Monitor. And this provides a way to build uh, a, data, a data point where we can translate, run queries, and bring data back to third-party applications so that you can utilize the advanced collection and monitoring in Azure Monitor, but also utilize your existing infrastructure that you've already built for monitoring. And just the capabilities here, uh, my mind is going wild. Uh, but I thought that I wanted to mention that because I was thinking um, we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about that a little bit. And uh, just, yeah, the opportunities and how open Microsoft is now, really amazing. And I love how they're doing this. This is fantastic. It is. And, that, and that's the beauty of this because all of these announcements that they are doing, announcing that all of those libraries, it's it it's opened the possibilities. And we we only basically light touch on the surface of this, right? We give very oh, this two is good, true. very yeah, good it's examples. It's been a few years since I've been a developer, yeah. so uh my mind thinks a little differently now, but uh I, my wife would tell you I'm still very rigid and defined, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I disagree. But I think that you know this really, this really speaks to how uh, how open everything is becoming um, with Microsoft and how they're encouraging people to solve the problems using creativity, and they're removing those barriers, right? So the barrier of only having that data in one spot or being restricted to using certain ways, event hubs and streaming data out, all that kind of stuff. So. This is another way to make it easy to consume that log and that monitoring data. Now, I think that this pushes us directly into our next one with thinking of how open everything is. But why don't you now, do Now, you do, you do the honors one. of this one. <laughs> I'm not going to argue twice. So, public preview, but Visual Studio Code for the freaking web. Yeah, right? the entire web. <laughs> like, and and so and this my god i don't know how to start with this because uh, i know so we're, we're too excited because we're we're you know what jump to the other yes. tab so I, that I didn't even can open feel... another tab to see like this is how easy now is going to use visual codes because usually right. do you want to on develop every single the computer... Azure monitor sdk for something in python so the thing is every single computer that I have, okay? Even if it's my MacBook or my desktop that I have, um, even when, even my, my Surface, right? The One of the first thing that I do is install Visual Studio Code and make that my code editor, okay? Um, because first of all, it's free, right? And, and we love that mm -hmm. word, free. Um, and the second one, it's pretty powerful because allow us to do a lot of those type of things and allow us to to get way more, especially for me and you, that we have so many automation, so many scripts that we are doing that daily. It's tremendous to have a tool like Visual Studio Code to help us doing that. Visual Studio as the full license, I still multiple destinations. There's so much that it can absolutely. handle. Absolutely, right? because I love Visual Studio, but it's too big. Okay. It's too big and it's not for exactly what we wanted. I think it's 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 too much. It's oh, too overkill for people like me and you that we are IT guys, right? And we want something that helps us out to develop some scripts. We are not developing code, right? And Visual Studio Code exactly. is the perfect tool. I have to say that before this, I was using Notepad++, to be very honest. But uh, when I embrace Visual Studio Code and I change all of that, now I can easily switch from one tab to another that is a PowerShell, for example, to a HTML, to a Python code, to a JavaScript, and I have all of that highlighted and everything there 
beautiful. That's why I love so much Visual Studio Code. So, so I was a, I was an ISE guy. Um, I almost hate to admit that, but uh, before that, I was a Visual Studio guy. Context highlighting and IntelliSense dropdown were things that I became, um, I'm going to say, visually dependent on while developing. So if I think back to VB6 when I started doing development, uh, I got used to those tools as part of what I was doing. And, you know, you expect them to drop down. Is my syntax correct? Yes, it's right there. The syntax checker just runs like a spell checker. It's an amazing yeah. subset of tools within yep. the product. Right? It's like it's and like the magnificent tab on PowerShell. My God, exactly. it's like I don't know why they don't teach everyone to use uh, the F tab. It should be rule Christ number sake, three, right? It should be the first Absolutely. thing. Absolutely, one that, one is use PowerShell. Two is type. Three hit tab to see if you're typing yeah, it the right exactly. way. It, it corrects it. You don't have to use the short forms because we shouldn't use shortcuts in our code. We should use fully qualified definitions and names. And uh, anyways, there's so many things that we love and not the least of which is with this, uh, with this preview update, Visual Studio Code for the web can be upgraded to GitHub Code Spaces yep. instance. In the cases where we need to leverage a more complete Visual Studio Code experience, right? And that includes, uh, I'm pulling this right out of this article, right? So this includes the ability to build and debug your code and use all Visual Studio Code extensions or access the integrated terminal. Yeah. It's in a web app. It's this change. So this change because in my opinion, this changed the way that I've been productive. And, and we were talking about this before we re record this, this during uh, the, the, the pre-podcast the pre session, let's go this way, right? That this changed completely because, um, yes, I have, like I mentioned, Visual Studio Code on every single device that I own. Um, I don't have, for example, on my iPhone, but that's okay. But every single computer that I, that I have, even my Mac, I have Visual Studio Code. But these now, because I, I, I use a lot and I do love the new, the, the Edge. And especially when you have um, the part of the Edge that you can synchronize, right? It's just a matter of putting that URL there and all your, when you open a new machine or when, when you open anything, you can synchronize your tabs, right? And done. And basically what you're going to see is this, that is Visual Studio Code. Boom. Boom, like, like that. that on the web. So it's like, yes, I don't need to install anything. I can still connect to my to 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 any place, and even if I need to do something with the possibilities of connecting these to GitHub, connecting these to any place on the cloud, in this case, right? I can basically open a repository, debug a code on any browser, on any computer, on the freaking world. So I want I want to do a quick demonstration. I know we never do demos on here, but can maybe play along a little Absolutely. bit with me. So in the main window, can you click on new file? Yeah. And just like that, we have a new file. New file. So click on select a language and then type in pop, of course, PowerShell. You want to do PowerShell? Oh, I always want to do PowerShell. I can't even help myself. Done. And just like that, now <laughs> you can author a PowerShell file in your browser with context-sensitive highlighting, verb checking and validation. Absolutely. And you can compile and debug this right 
in an HTML5 interface. This is blowing my mind, Marcos. I'm so Man, this is this awesome. Is, this reminds me, this reminds me, two things, two, 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 two things that, that we were talking, uh, not right now, but that we, that we talk along all of this journey. First, first and foremost was Azure Cloud Shell. Mm, the mm. possibility of running scripts directly on the Azure portal was like, and, and at that day, it, I even, I even, I think I wrote period. like yeah. five or six, uh, five or six blog posts. And, and I did a couple of, of videos as well, because even, even on your phone, right? When you have the the application, the Azure application, okay, I'm and I'm I'm Correct. opening right now. Yes, uh, you can open. You Cloud have Shell Cloud Shell available on your phone, okay. So if you are here, right, and and let's see if the camera can can get it. Oops, focus, please. Can you focus, please? Sort of, a little bit. Yep, we can okay. see. Yep. If somebody has a big screen, they'll be able to see it. So over here on, on this bottom, you have Cloud Shell. If I press that, let's see if I can do that live. Here is Cloud Shell. Look at this. I have Cloud Shell on my phone. So I was, when I did that, when I realized about that, I was like, just blow my mind. I can be bored to death, and now I <laughs> and happened to me a lot there's of no, times. There's no excuse anymore. You have you have to write your code on Saturday. Exactly, I'm bored to death. Couch. What is the better way to just uh, run some scripts to just do it than on your phone? It's not the best device, but it's great. Come on, it's it's As it saved me a lot of times. To all of your clients' environment. It's yeah. it saved me a lot of times. I have to say. Because I, I do store my, for example, a lot of my um, PowerShells that I need on a storage account, for example, or something like that, that I basically call that and, and it, can, it can run for a few of the tasks that I need. It saved me a lot of times that part. But the second exactly. part, it was not very long time ago, okay? And it was with Windows 11. Windows 11 have what's called the Windows Terminal. And if you are not aware of that, okay, that is the main reason that I did upgrade my all my computers right now to Windows 11 is because of Windows Terminal. And I have to take my hat off, okay, at Microsoft because finally, after years of, 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 um, getting from one one uh, a window to another, like the command line, for example, PowerShell and Azure Cloud Shell. Now I have on one window that I can click on the tabs and I even phone you, remember this, in the middle of the day to say, you have to see this. And I even did a, a, a demo to you to see, look you at did. this yep. beauty. Windows Terminal. And I will admit this. I will admit this only once and uh, only if you promise we're not recording that uh, I, that's the only reason I upgraded to Windows 11 was because you sold me on it, um, to be honest. And um, yeah, I, I, I usually am not an early adopter of operating systems. <laughs> but in this case, that's a huge time saver um, in yes, our world, right? It is to be able to integrate so easily natively and the tabs omg may i just say the tabs in windows terminal cross language multiple clients open at once that's a normal day for it some is. of us it is a normal day and even if you have multiple tabs open to multiple environments different languages Absolutely. It's right there in one interface again, unifying it. So these updates are really starting to come together, kind of tie in together. Visual Studio um, for the web 
it's in preview so you know caution always right but uh i mean amazing just amazing the possibilities absolutely and just yeah just that word of caution um although that's in preview just be careful uh, if you're going to use visual studio on the web to run code for your prod environments it might not do what you expect it to do yeah so be careful um i'm not going to say don't do it i think people are probably already on the computer already doing it <laughs> but but test it first in anything non-production um at a bare minimum and just understand that it might be unpredictable um while they're still working out stuff that they they don't know about yet right working out all the kinks as they Absolutely. say right and and if you remember this before the break um we did talk about the way that change in this case, our way to work. And one of the things yep. that we did before before the summer uh, that we mentioned was the Windows 365, okay? The way that now from uh, uh, just a click, you have your machine on the cloud, um, basically on your tenant, on your 365 tenant, that from where you have, you don't need any more laptops, power laptops or anything like that. Now imagine that every, and, and we talk about that time that, especially for us that we travel a lot or we used to travel a lot, right? We will, we again. will again, absolutely. We, will again. Um, we I, I, I bought my, my MacBook, for example, that was really expensive and it's a very high powerful machine. Uh, 64 gigs of RAM, i9, and, and four terabytes or eight terabytes of disk because I need that kind of compute power, right? To sometimes running some VMs, running some environments, running all of that, right? And the majority of time, um, I need to be connected to the, on the internet. Be able to work yeah. on, for example, like I mentioned, on the nice iPad that costs like one-tenth of that of the MacBook Pro with those specs. Exactly. With, that I can use uh, on any mouse, place. Away you go. Right? Right now the planes have, yep. have, 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 um, have uh, Wi-Fi. So I can even work on a plane, basically. And I can use as a personal device. And I can, by switching, going to that Windows 365, right? And bang, I'm on my corporate world. Um, it's... It's behind, it's behind it because what we need is a screen and a keyboard and you being light, you being flexible and the way that you need those type of machines is does change your way that you work. This is another one, exactly. right? It's, it's tremendous. Yeah, it is. A, it's a really big deal and it makes, uh, it's another step forwards to full device agnostic Completely. usage, right? So it doesn't matter if you're in Windows, if you're Mac, Linux, whatever you want to use, go ahead. You just have a web browser. Now you can do your development. You go to the Azure portal. It's a website again. Use Cloud Shell, run your CLI, PowerShell, go into your Azure functions. You can edit your Python. Like it's now starting to all sync together, yep. right? And now, and now you can even, like we saw, we can even uh, put this shit with the Git, right? Um, with the Git account, for example. Um, and now you can have your true source of code that you are using from that Git account that you can use on any device, even on the web. So even if your device it's out of battery, for example, that happens to us a lot of time, you're just going to any device that have a web browser and you can still working on that because your code is synced, your code is there and you can even doing anything. And, and happens to us a lot of times, either because yep. uh, we forgot the cable or the cable is damaged or something like that. And our that device so is totally out of juice and everything else, right? When yep. you're, you take the train to the office or you're taking a, a plane and a bus, all those things, whenever you're in movement, 
cables get damaged, screens can break. Maybe and you it's need, not that. Like, it just came to my mind. Another thing it's like, tell me in how many environments, okay, that you, that the client gives you, okay, some of those machines, especially, for example, a VDI that is locked down and you want to access <laughs> your so code. <laughs> so if you are going to Citrix, right? Remember this. If you are going to Citrix, and you want to run the PowerShell that you already wrote, it's a pain to just get it's access to that. I was talking with a client about this the other week where uh, for the life of me, I don't understand some of the security, and I'm going to say security decisions, copying out of a VDI, I 100% support restriction. Pasting in? Why? What am I going to paste in in plain non-ASCII text that's going to damage your environment? I'm sure there's something that could happen from it. There always is. But for the love of Pete, I, I just want to paste in a PowerShell query, for example, Yeah. to find information from Active Directory or Azure Active Directory or pull a list of VMs that are running, whatever. Why do you have to make me type that out manually or email it to myself? Exactly. It's that's far less secure than putting in good, well thought out restrictions. And yes, I'm kind of pointing the finger and saying some restrictions are not well thought out because that really is the case. We have to use logical, careful restrictions, well decided and I want to lean like well-architected, I want to say it, but in a way, we just have to be logical at the Absolutely. end of Absolutely. Right? I We're, could not agree more. There's so a lot now of we just need to wait for the GA so of this. Easier, right? You and develop anywhere, you save it in the Git, you can access it from anywhere, as long as you can access the Git, you're fine. Yeah. Uh, it's amazing. And of course, because GitHub is so secure, you can lock that down. You can add multi-factor authentication. You can, uh, like, there's the world is your oyster, as they say, right? We can really secure this. And uh, yet, it's so flexible. It is so flexible and secure at the same time. It's not only about the flexibility. It's about the security as well. Because, and, and I think it's it gains on, on different fronts because... Like we mentioned, and we already spend a lot of time talking about this. We did. But I, I think it's important one, yes. because it's not about the security. It's about the security. It's about the security, about the mobility that you have, about the productivity that you will have by able to achieve and to go on your uh, on your IP because it's 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 all the experience that you have, that you're bringing into that organization that you want to run. And sometimes it takes way more time to just kind of having your device there, try to copy the, the code or try to get the code to over there when you can basically grab the code and run. And probably it's going to be way more effective, right? Um, Absolutely. And, 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 and a lot of things. It's like, it just... It just well, blew my I, I mind. Love I the way you said it. We need first, to move was, to the next one because otherwise yeah. we will be stay here forever. This this is true. We could go on for a while. So let's jump to the next one. Kind of an interesting one, right? GA for Azure Spring Cloud application health monitoring and end-to-end -end TLS and SSL. So yep. this is a fantastic uh, advancement. And of course, Azure Spring Cloud, uh, we've talked about once or twice, kind of light touch, but um, it's a really cool uh, service that Azure offers, right? Yeah. So it's uh, Azure and VMware partnered together that allows the Spring Cloud uh, development environment where uh, you can focus just on developing the app, all of the infrastructures in place, you use the Spring Cloud framework and you have rapid deployment environment. Yeah. Uh, it's a simplified uh, kind of a service. Uh, well, not so much, but simplified uh, way of developing 
for rapid deployment um, versus traditional methodologies, right? Absolutely. And, and, and over here, you have two announcements on this one, right? The part of the, the monitoring the HAP life cycle, right? Mm -hmm. That's going to be triggered by, by, um, by users in, in the Azure activity logs. And yeah. the other one is the end-to-end -end of SSL TLS that is huge. This yeah, one, that's a really big uh, one, it's like it's another layer of security that you can import the certificates either using the key vault or a local certificate to be able to use TLS on end-to-end -end. because usually you will have some TLS to the load balancer, for example, like that. And then exactly. you have like HTTP um, from the load balancer to the application. Over here, you can have an end-to-end -end SSL TLS uh, to provide it for application for the secure trafficking, right? So it's really big, this, this, this second one. Although not to diminish the first one, because it's really good to have that possibility, right? To monitor your lifecycle application on all of that, right? Absolutely. And it's all built in. It's a lot like app insights for exactly. Spring Cloud. Right? Exactly. And, and, and you can even, the part that I like about this, uh, this update is the part that you can monitoring the unplanned app lifecycle event, because it's exactly. good to know your lifecycle uh, uh, events, but the reason that you have monitoring for me, it's, it's two reasons. It's the, those to get as soon as possible, those unplanned events, right. That is happening. And to give me some insight of something that might be wrong, or it will come a disaster in the future. If you don't act in this case quick enough, or if you don't look at that, right. So monitoring exactly. your infrastructure to see if, if uh, for example, the disk is going to grow uh, or the space is going to, to reduce and you need to grow the disks. Something like that is always good. And if the disk fails, I want to know. I might have a, a, a disaster, not a disaster, a high viability on the system disk, but I need to act because if it fails again, I might get... An, uh, um, an app that is down, that is, I want to do it, right? So that's for me is the most important part. Um, and of course, either for those life cycles, the, the planet or unplanet, you can set up alerts, right? To, to just give, exactly, get a right. little bit more insight about this. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't know what else I can add to that one. I want to talk about App Insights, so I'm trying to stay But quiet. associated with that and going now on the public preview, right, of Azure Sprint Cloud, the RBAC config of server and registry access of Nginx logs and metrics. Um, again, starting to see Azure Spring Cloud last week, we did so as well. We did introduce this, this team of Azure Spring Cloud, and now we are seeing. Yeah. And again, this is a week before Ignite. You got it. There's gonna, I, I just, I feel it building, right? So for this update, really important. So let's, let's focus briefly on this. Uh, so we have access for built-in Spring Cloud config server and server uh, service registry using Azure Active Directory now. So now we can apply all of those roles from our traditional setup that we've already become used to in Azure yeah. AD. And we can use that to access the endpoints of Spring Cloud Config Server and Service Registry managed by the Azure Spring Cloud from apps deployed outside of Azure Spring Cloud environments for dev test or migration scenarios. So this is a this is a very big update and we're applying now proper roles and permissions and that least privilege so that uh, we can utilize proper ways to access and manage 
but also to test before we jump into prod. So now those servers, their service endpoints don't have to be in the Spring Cloud. They can be outside. Yeah. And we can use dev test environments. So this is a very big and, change. And, and, and you have two keys in this case, two key roles. That is the config server. Okay. And you have the service registry because they are two roles that you have inside of Azure Spring Cloud that it does different uh, things, right? Um, and you can now have uh, access to that. So after you giving, in this case, the access token and get the access token for that, you can either access your config server or your registry access, registry server, service registry yeah. to be able to perform your, uh, your um, actions that you want to do it, right? So it's pretty cool exactly. that we have that type of granularity on the Azure Spring Cloud. But it's not the only update, right? Uh, it's another double. The other yeah. one is to analyze the logs, okay, and metrics uh, with the agnostic settings. And that's the part of ingress logs and metrics. Both of these are in preview. So again, if you have Azure Spring Cloud on production, it's not recommended that you using this. Uh, please use, in this case, uh, uh, your environment for testing uh, to be able to do this, especially the part of the role access and permissions. Yes. These ingress logs yeah. and metrics, I see the value of using that, but because it's just monitoring, is just a part of the logs, uh, that you can explore probably the logs in production to ingest those to see it. But the first one, please, uh, again, do not use these in production. I think it's it's highly recommended not to do that. Oh, yeah, I would say that that, that one's pretty important because uh, if something goes wrong with RBAC or conditional access, uh, we don't want to uh, have kind of a production impact in that way, right? So uh, you never know how things are going to go. So preview features, not recommended for production. It's only best effort support. So if uh, you have uh, like worst case scenario, a customer facing or business critical application published using Spring Cloud, um, probably be a bit cautious with it and make sure you do utilize those dev test environments to be able to test things like this first. Absolutely, absolutely. Moving to the next one is the general availability of Azure Log Analytics in West US 3. So the new one that is in, in mm -hmm. Arizona, the Korea South, not South Korea, okay, Korea South, mm -hmm. and Canada East <laughs> uh, in this case. So Again, Azure Log Analytics growing to the new region in North America, right? That is the West US 3. I think it's the last region yeah. in North America. And now coming to Canada East, finally, right? Yay. And Been waiting Korea on that South. One, actually. Yep. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And of course, Log Analytics, a uh, really critical piece for um, a monitoring ecosystem, uh, but also for um, enabling us to move logs between um, services and applications and things like that. So, and it's not, um, not really only valuable. that, it's not only that because oh, there's so much log more. analytics is the base of one of our favorite tools, right? Sentinel a little bit and now a little bit. And now we are able to run Sentinel in Canada only. Yay! Finally, right? We can actually deploy Sentinel in Canada East and Canada yeah. Central. Absolutely. So it's it's really cool that we have that that possibility, and and it's really cool that Log Analytics is growing, and we see this every single week. That's why we are here. That's why we want to comment, and we cannot lose this opportunity to just kind of give our 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 praise to Azure Log Analytics to grow 
on every single region, in this case, uh, in Azure, uh, right? Oh, I, I, I'm looking forward to it. I think um, it's a, a couple of years out yet, but of course, Microsoft's goal is to have every service available in every data center within every region across the world. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Pretty tall order, and that's a lot of work, um, especially given um, how features are often available in one region or another and not in others. And uh, it's difficult because they have to roll things out all over the world. And like you say, they're always expanding at the same yeah, time. So there's always more to do. Absolutely. So, well done. Very good. With that, we came to the uh, end of our podcast. Um, and I think it was, I'm, I'm pretty excited for next week. Uh, for the for the ignite, um, if you if you are if you are not registered, please register at ignite, and if you see us there, uh, let us know that you are that you coming from the Azure centric podcast, and because absolutely sure that you will find me and Mister Mister Andrew Lowe's there, and and probably on some chats, uh, uh, answering questions helping other um, other professionals uh, and all of that. So if you see us, let us know. I know that's not physical, uh, but I'm really hoping that next year we can do this live. Um, not not this podcast. Uh, yeah, probably this podcast live from the maybe night this one. floor. I don't know. That would be amazing. Absolutely amazing to be able to do this. Uh, live at Ignite in some way. Uh, it's amazing. I think it's a bit underrated. It's fading from our memories now. Yes, absolutely. So with that, I think I want I want to thank everyone for, for doing this and see you next week. Bye.